Welcome to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. Every Friday morning from 9 to 10 a.m. Pacific and online at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. We're lucky to have with us today the uh, producer, a producer of the the latest film is MFA, right? Exactly. And uh, and a number of other film projects, but uh, we have with us today Ivan Williams, uh, who's here to talk about his film, his film career, as well as his uh, relationship to UCI. It sounds like you have some kind of a, a, a working relationship here at the University of California, Irvine. And uh, just a terrific opportunity to talk to somebody who's in the business, who does a lot of the uh, sort of the legwork as a producer. There's an awful lot of responsibilities. We'll, we'll talk about those as well. But Ivan Williams, welcome to Film School. All right. Well, thank you so much for having me on the show today. Uh, excuse yeah. me. Yeah. Just weathering through a finishing up a cold here over the holidays. But, uh, yeah, we've uh, we've had a kind of an, a really interesting run. Uh, you know, my background uh, really is quite diverse because again, I didn't enter the professional world as a filmmaker. It's a, uh, it's kind of yeah. a, a real circuitous rooting. Yeah. Uh, I go back to, I'm a chemical engineer, actually undergrad from Oregon state university okay. and then, uh, got into oil business, uh, and spent about 35 years in the oil business as a engineer, then an oil executive for Arco and BP. Okay. And, uh, then had the wonderful opportunity to, uh, get a golden handshake and retire early. So oh, no. nice. So when I retired early, I said, what the heck am I going to do now at age 53? So why don't we get into the filmmaking business? <laughs> it's a natural kind of decision, right? Yeah. Um, well, so <laughs> just before we go too far, um, in the terms of had you always had sort of an inclination towards film, filmmaking? What, what, were you a big film fan? How did you sort of decide you wanted to go forward on that? You know, it's interesting when you're at age 53, you reflect back of, wow, what's, what's my life turned into? And you go, wow, back in high school, mm-hmm. I was always into film. But back in high school, that was about actual film and editing was about cutting and pasting. Yes. And so back in high school, in Monterey High School in California, I was part of a filmmakers club. So we had a little filmmaker club, and we shot films on Super 8, you know? Okay. You know, kind of the thing you did back in the 70s. Yeah, yeah. And so we shot uh, a Frankenstein film and entered in our little film festival, and it really kind of was a a, a hobby, interest. But, you know, if you kind of talk about filmmaking to your parents, it's like, well, you know, maybe that's interesting as a hobby, but, you know, you got to earn a paycheck. That's right, that's right. But I was technically inclined, so I really got into science and math and engineering was a, a route I chose. But again, how life brings up wonderful opportunities and fortunately put me in a, a wonderful position at age 53 to kind of live out that now passion. Yeah. So you're a, you said chemical engineer? Is chemical that- <laughs> engineer undergrad. Okay. Yeah. Oh my God. Engineering. And I, I happened to, my real job has to do with uh, public works. I work for a public works agency. Oh, Los excellent. Angeles County. Cool. County. Um, and uh, so I'm around a lot of engineers. Oh, wow. And to their credit, thank goodness we have wonderful engineers on the job doing what they're supposed to do in terms of our infrastructure, uh, making things work. Mm, it's it's excellent. always fascinating to see how that process uh, unfolds. Uh, but also my my experience has been that uh, not to paint a too broad of a brush here, but uh, that uh, they're not always the most 
artistic of people, right? <laughs> yes, I mean, absolutely. A, there is something very much about, you know, <laughs> solutions, problems, solutions. How do we go from point A to point B? <laughs> Not necessarily in the most artistic flourish, if you will. But uh, but you, but it's good to hear that you had this early on. You had this interest, yeah. and that sort of stayed in you and, and with you when, until now. Yeah, you know, it, it, it really was kind of that element of that kind of left and right brain yes. element. Yes, uh, yeah. But I grew up in a family that always had a strong appreciation of the arts, even though, you see, it's kind of that interesting thing. I had a mother who was a, a men's clothing designer. Oh, and okay. so she had that creative element ah. uh, aspect of her life and her personality. Then on the other side, my father was a, a, a naval aviator, <laughs> so a military man. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. you know, you kind of have this kind of yin and yang going on there. But nice. uh, nice. I think it, it kind of reflected a, a really beautiful mix-up of capabilities and, and interest. And so we grew up with the symphony and theater as a child in San Diego, spent many years in San Diego, but uh, at the same time, recognizing the discipline aspect of, yeah. you know, execution of mission and those kind of things. So is that, how would you, there you go, how would you translate your previous work into the world that you're now in, where you're facing all kinds of different sort of problems on a, on a fairly regular basis, right? Very much elements of more the art and the, the, the business of, of making film. It's, it's a perfect setup because if you look at uh, where I entered the film business, it really was the executive producing end. So if you look at the executive producing side, it, it is about budget, timeline, managing resources right, right. to accomplish a mission. And so if you look at my last probably 10 years of my life, with Arco and BP, that it's about managing resources. You know, again, I was managing resource pipe valves and fittings versus human capital, which is the filmmaking business, yeah. which has a lot more interesting challenges to it than yeah. a piece of steel. But at the same time, it brought in that those skill sets that I had developed over these years. And, and you look at a film budget, developing a film budget, getting people to show up, and then once you start shooting a film, you know, making sure things are going on according as planned. And if they don't, what do you do to resolve those issues quickly? Yeah. What has been the thing you didn't anticipate in terms of this world that you're now in? Like in terms of you just, you thought you knew, I'm sure you thought you knew what you were getting to, but <laughs> there was always an element yeah. of doubt or element of, sure. of mystery. But what's the thing that kind of surprised you about the business? Well, what really surprised me, I think, frankly, was assuming that this is a discipline all about creative talent and kind of, what I almost call like, oh, I want to go left, I want to go right without discipline. What I really found is the people involved in the industry mm -hmm. are actually very disciplined. I mean, it very in, not that far uh, different than the world of engineering and, and technical work they had done, except that on the aspect that they're applying that discipline to a creative field. And as you stated earlier, the engineering world is kind of almost a black and white, you know, X x plus y equals z type of thing mm -hmm. and in the filmmaking and and television business you you really find that wow even though there's the element of the story the creation of the story and creating an emotional impact but you still have to put it together yeah. and get it distributed and get it seen and get it you know get the revenue collected it's yeah. the same in any business and that's what I, I think I was surprised that there was much more discipline than I actually really realized. Yeah, I think that's a great observation because my limited exposure to sort of the day-to-day -day operations of putting together a film or a t television production is 
generally speaking, those people are on point, and they're extreme. They're one of the worst things that can happen to somebody who is a cinematographer or someone on set is to not be prepared. It's for, exactly. for something to come up that they're responsible for, and they are caught flat-footed. Mm-hmm. It is, it is such a it's such a uh, competitive world that the that people are in when they're in the entertainment industry that they are. You're right. They really are on point, and 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 every minute counts. Yes, uh, you yes. know, uh, being on film set and seeing the execution yeah. of hundreds of tasks uh, simultaneously, yeah. and to see that a film and we take pride of that getting it completed on budget and on time. Right, and uh, because every th- every minute is expensive, uh, you know. So that's that was my I guess maybe my paradigm that needed to be shifted and when i saw that and saw that the people were involved were you know just really disciplined people yeah we're speaking with ivan williams uh he is a producer the his latest film is called mfa let's talk a little bit about your latest work yeah Uh, mfa wow they you know it's interesting because my my wife uh, eric and i have entered this business together as we we partially own a studio in hollywood called alter identity studios but our arc of, of, of filmmaking ran the gamut from the small indie horror budgets to now a major feature film, a, a $40 million animation film. But MFA came to us a couple of years ago. It was, it, was about, you know, it was about two and a half years ago. And my wife and I had produced, uh, executive produced a, a web series called Be Here Nowish ish uh, Season 2. Uh, Nat- Natalia Letty was the creator, director, and Alexander Roxo was the co-creator. But the director, uh, Natalia Letty, came to me and said, Ivan, I've got this great new project. Uh, I've been uh, kind of jumped on here as a director, and it's called MFA. So when she introduced this to us, it it was uh, a a story here in Orange County. It's Mm -hmm. right in Orange County, uh, a film that's being shot at Chapman University there in Orange. Mm -hmm. And the film MFA was about... uh, about a graduate student, a master of fine arts student, who'd been sexually violated. Okay. And so it's the story that really resonated with us, an original screenplay by uh, uh, Leah McKendrick, an actress in Hollywood, as well as now a screenwriter. And it was about the story of a graduate student, in this case, our lead actress, Francesca Eastwood, Clint's daughter, um, who was sexually violated as an art student. And then takes it to the university, and and again, as we all know the story across America, some universities don't really react in the way maybe they should react, right? Right. And so she ends up taking matters to her own hands, Dexter style. Okay. So so it really uh, attracted us to us. It's a small film, but with a big message. And so we, my wife and I are very much into how do we use the storytelling mode of filmmaking it create a conversation and that 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 is such a um a wonderful aspect of what you do is is you can create any story within reason within budget that you you want to and it's it's not just the story it's how you tell it and it's also um the value of it what is the what is this what is the value of the what i'm doing to a a greater good Mm -hmm. or to make people laugh or to whatever that might be that is a really heady stuff to yeah. be able to do that. You know, and to think about this, uh, a, a smaller budget film, yeah. to have a national, even broader than national reach to yeah. create a conversation. There you go. That's, and that's the the amazing thing, and again, um, 
we had a film. Our first film was Knights of Bad Aston. It was a horror comedy thing with Peter Dinklage. And it was before a little show called Game of Thrones. <laughs> so Peter was kind of a supporting act. By the time our film hit the theater screens, Peter and Game of Thrones were a whole nother level. In the case of MFA, we had an interesting situation. Our film was uh, selected for the uh, world premiere at the South by Southwest Film Festival last year. And so it was up for the grand jury prize. It was a, a highly regarded film. Our director, it was her second feature film that she'd ever made, and her first film was select for Tribeca. So she's quite a, quite a, a star. Um, so what happened when we came, we had our, our Dark Sky film distributor deal in place, and we are planning to release the film last fall. The film release date happened to be October 13th. If you kind of recall about a week or so before that, the Harvey Weinstein right. thing erupted in right. America. Right. So, again, a very terrible situation yeah. ended up benefiting our film. Wow. Yeah, that that's remarkable. So, uh, well, congratulations on the recognition of the film. That I, I know a little bit about the film festival circuit. I know how difficult it can be, especially for for people who haven't been through that process before. And it is, it's a tough slog. And especially smaller films, you, you know, you put it out there, you hope that somebody pays attention, but there's a lot more that goes on beyond, mm. beyond that, beyond your hope that you've made a great movie. So why isn't everybody lining, lining up, up to see it? It is, uh, it is truly, uh, I'm sure you know better than, than most how, how difficult it is and sometimes political it can be and being in the right place at the right time, all, yeah. all those factors. I right? mean, think about this film, uh, the topic, not only the topic, yeah. but we have a lead female up-and-coming uh, actress, uh, Francesca. Um, we had an all, almost all-female-led uh, project. Right. You know, the, the director, the screenwriter, uh, the actresses, uh, the, one of the key producers, all-female. Yeah. So, again, you know, we know all about the Hollywood story about, you know, diversity and female. So it all yeah. had uh, really the whole it body embodied all the elements that I know I wanted and yeah. what my wife wanted, too. Yeah. So. There is and, and there is that going on now. Uh, while uh, women have not been um, as a percentage of films produced in in the, this country as well as around the world has been a paltry percentage of of major productions uh, in this country that are are uh, directed by women. There is a whole bunch of women that are just now sort of percolating into that level where we're going to see an explosion on my show as an example. I mean, I'm not trying to aggrandize myself here, but I have just seen in the independent film world, increasingly the percentage and quality of work coming from women directors has just really taken off. I mean, look at this year, you know, Patty Jenkins, yeah. Wonder Woman, Greta Gerwig. Yeah, uh, Greta you know, Gerwig is a great you know, example. Lady Bird. I mean, just yeah. on and on and on. Yeah. We're seeing that, you know, uh, it's just, I think in the in the cases we're about to enter in this big week with the Golden Globes, right. that aspect of, of female empowerment, and, and yeah. it's really about embracing embracing people for the skills they bring to the table, None, nonetheless, whatever sexual orientation, yeah. sex, gender, race, whatever, it doesn't matter. It's right. what they bring to the table to create a powerful story. And for me, as someone with the show has been able to get a lot of documentary filmmakers on, mm. I've been seeing that for quite a while now. Some of the some of the more recognized documentary filmmakers now are are women. And to your point, absolutely, it's about the quality of the work. It's about the work itself. 
but to get your foot in the door. That's yeah, that's the hard part. It's it's it, changing that paradigm, right? right? I mean, kind of think about Tyler Perry. We think about it many times. The studio heads, oh, the uh, African American oriented film is just not going to play. There's just not an audience, and it was just a, a mental paradigm. Yeah. And Tyler Perry just broke through all those. What do you mean? There's actually the African American audience is one of the strongest, most loyal, committed audiences. Yeah, yeah. And at the end of the day, remember, in American filmmaking, it's about commercially successful right. filmmaking. Right. And and outside, in particular in Europe. It's treated more as an art, a public-supported art form. But the beauty and strength of American filmmaking is we have the skills. We know how to make commercially successful products. Yeah. It's, it is so true. Um, we're speaking with Ivan Williams. He is a producer. We're talking about one of his later, one of his more recent works, uh, MFA. But we're also talking about film industry. And uh, if somebody from listening to the sound of our voices here were interested in making the step from student films, they're out there. They're we obviously we're broadcasting from the University of California, Irvine. A lot of I know there are a lot of people on campus who are interested in this. Tell where, where would you sort of counsel them? You know, I mean, it's as they say for a, an author, you know, authors write, writers write. Right. Yeah. So, what what is your advice to budding filmmakers to do in order to accomplish something great? Well, well, that's a great question because uh, I've been asked that a number of times in the presentations and speeches I've given at other universities, and and the beauty is uh, most of us, I'd say most, I will say all, but most people have a, a smartphone an iPhone, an Android yeah. device in their pocket. That's a filmmaking machine. Yes, it is. And so I, I I, think we live in a time where the cost, the barrier of the technology to capture and produce an image, a moving image, is, yeah. is so low. So it really boils down to what's the story you want to tell and how do you get it? The, uh, coupled with the technology, you have the means to distribute. Yes, in a ways that never even existed, you know, 10 years ago. Yeah. The means for an example, as I, I've told other students about our film, uh, our web series, uh, Be Here Now-ish, season two, mm-hmm. we literally distributed that on Vimeo through, you know, $8 for a season of six episodes. I mean, literally, you think of in that terms, those are things that you and I, anybody can take their iPhone, take a, create a little story, yeah. shoot it, and get it distributed and get people to see it around the world. That's yeah. literally was impossible to do. So what I, I tell people to do who are interested is think about the story you want to tell. Don't let the technology, because we the technology cost is low, but really think about what would be interesting. And, and that interesting film format could be a five-minute video. could yeah. be whatever. Short doesn't need to be a 90-minute two-hour production but then once you what one of the key things you should look at is if you want to take it up a notch and move beyond just shooting it and putting it on a youtube channel think in terms of even what i call the crowdfunding Mm -hmm. so the crowdfunding opportunity has is really changing the landscape so now and i have actually contributed to friends you know it's a it's a a donation not an equity position but if your friends and family get interested in the story you're trying to tell crowdfunding through Kickstarter or Indiegogo yeah. allow you to raise some capital. And, you know, you're talking ten, fifteen, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 to produce another level of a film. And so that's one way. In fact, I encourage people because, again, you'll say, who, who do I have the rich uncle, the rich, you know, aunt to, 
to finance my $5 million film. Most <laughs> people don't. So at the same token, but you can get people to contribute to it. And actually, the crowdfunding landscape's changed a little bit. The SEC has now even allowing equity financing up to a million dollars. Is that right? Yes. I, I've, in fact, recently told a film young filmmaker this, and I said, the only thing, think about this, you will have to now manage a thousand plus people with $10 equity shares in your film. And so generally speaking, a, a small filmmaker doesn't have a staff of accountants and people, yeah. when you move into the equity realm, you're talking about SEC required communications with your equity holders. Right, so, right. And also people who have equity feel they may have a voice in your film too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so there's the what I call the other side of getting equity for capital for your film. But then once you get past that is get, you know, the goal is to get into film festivals. Right. You know, again, it doesn't have to be the major Tribeca or, you know, whatever those, you know, Sundance film felt those kind of the, the peak of the <laughs> the iceberg. Yeah. But, you know, there is just the small town festivals around the and generate buzz. Right. And buzz across the internet can generate a demand and a passion. Right. Right. And that's that's really there's an amazing there's I think over three thousand film festivals that yeah. happen every year around well, the world. We have one here in, in yeah. Newport Beach coming up in April. Exactly. So we have there yeah, the Los Angeles the film Los festival. Angeles Obviously film. you would assume here in Southern yeah. California there would be a fair number of film festivals, but I I spent time I lived in Mammoth for a period of time. Oh. There's the Mammoth Film Festival, right? Exactly. So uh, yeah. They're they're out there. They're out there and, and you go, Oh, I haven't heard of them, but that's okay. And yeah. with the world of internet, if someone sees it, yeah. they people generally like to tell other people about it. And it spreads like wildfire if it's something of content. Our 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 uh, first big feature film was uh big stone gap with ashley judd and whoopi goldberg and so it appeared as the headliner of a film festival i'm sure no one had ever heard of before it was called the bentonville film festival okay jenna gina davis is the kind of the head of it okay you know you know we all know gina davis yeah. a prominent star yeah. but the bentonville it's not on the same circuit as yeah. <laughs> sundance or can or whatever but guess what who the big backer of the Bentonville Film Festival? A little company called Walmart. <laughs> so you kind of look at it. When our film, it won the Best Ensemble Cast Award at that. It exploded with Walmart's backing. So when our film moved out of the theater into the shelves yes. at the store, guess who's the largest <laughs> DVD seller in the world? is Walmart. They promoted our film hugely across all their stores. Well, just what you're <laughs> describing in terms of your your career uh, in filmmaking, you have this. They say that uh, luck is the residue of hard work, right? <laughs> and it seems that you have managed to find that formula to some extent. Yes, hard work went into it. But yes, there was an element of the you know the timing of MFA coming out and and this with the with Walmart being involved. Uh, but you're there to take advantage of those opportunities, and that's the other part of this, right? You can get yeah. lucky, mm -hmm. and it doesn't go as as well as it could or should, exactly. but you have to be ready to move. So this combination of understanding, recognizing um, a good story, a story well told, and then being able to uh, find opportunity where, you, where it exists as well as where you can make it, right? Right. No, it's... I, I you hit it on the head because you're right. All, there's been millions of great stories that never even saw the silver screen. Um, what I found 
which is fundamental to this industry, even more so than the what I call the career I had in the oil and gas industry, was the networking and building this ever-expanding network of contacts. And, and I call contacts end up becoming potential resources. Right. And resources from what I can offer, and, and I've, I coach people to say, go into a networking, not as to what can I get from someone, but it's also what... What relationship can I develop that I can offer someone? Because I view it, pay it forward. Things come up. I've had things come up six months later. Oh, Ivan, would you know? Here's this. Here's a financier who's interested in this type of film. Right. And it's like, wow, just come. But you've got to nurture. And it's not like having to have lunch or dinner every week with a hundred people to eat on your Rolodex. Right. Rolodex, old term. But anyway, <laughs> you know, from that standpoint, it's just maintaining, you know, on social media, you can maintain contact with people very informally. But it's always kind of being in the present and making yourself available to hearing a new new angle. So that's what I, when I show up, I go to screenings up in Hollywood all the time. I go to various, you know, social engagements. Yeah. And, you know, many times, hi, hello, nice to meet you. But six months later, someone rings you up and said, oh, I remember that conversation we had. And, you know, maybe there's you're interested in this or maybe we can offer something. And that's turned into a couple. Uh, actually, I've got a couple projects underway right now uh, via that networking opportunity. It's a major television pilot and another feature film I'm working on. And that's an important thing as well, uh, even though. We both live in Orange County. It can be kind of a slog to get to Los Angeles, to get to a lot of these events. And it is tough sometimes to do that. But I, over the last few years, have made a concerted effort to get to these places, to meet people. It's just as you said. And um, you're absolutely right about everything. It, it is about relationships. And and they know you. They can put a face to the name. They, they had a pleasant conversation. Um, we're on the same page, so, you know, artistically or however that plays out, but it's absolutely an important part. And I want to go back to something that as far as kind of my philosophy about the show and you, you're talking about it in, in, in different ways, and that is that not every film or filmmaker that I've had on the show have been the greatest films that I've ever, you know, that I've seen. And But for someone who had an, an idea, a vision – to be able to put together a script and then put bring together actors and be able then to turn this enterprise into something that ends up in a theater or on a pay-per-view is an incredibly difficult accomplishment. Very, yeah. very few people in, in sort of the marketplace that as we – in theaters and direct uh, VOD and, and platforms like that. To get it to that point is, is a tremendous accomplishment. And for that alone – I, I feel a kinship. I uh, I want to know these people. I want to know how they did that. Wow. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, you know how no. difficult it is. Yeah. And to get to that point. So while these may not always be the greatest films I've ever seen, mm. at the same time, you had an idea at some point, and now it is for the world to see and now the world to appreciate. And uh, that is that's 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 a very, very uh, admirable accomplishment on well, a lot I, of levels. Gosh, I really appreciate that compliment. I, I, you know, to be frank with you, when I entered this business, I, I didn't think of it. I go, what is the the challenge? But then once I got into it, I found out you're you're unbelievably correct. Something like ten thousand 
movies are made each year. Yeah. And it, most people don't have a clue. It's 10,000 movies. They'll say, my cousin, my brother's shot a movie. And you go, that's great. Is anyone going to see that? And that the key thing yeah. is distribution. Yeah. So only about 300, 350 movies a year ever get to a silver screen out of that 10,000. Right. And as you stated, how many of those, you know, actually end up making uh, a boatload of money. <laughs> right. Well, the Oscars every year, <laughs> yeah. they'll list all the eligible films right, yeah. that they would consider for either best yeah. foreign film, best documentary, whatever it might be. Exactly. And I don't think it's more than three or 400. Yeah. I don't, uh, that's it, out of this massive, yeah. as you stated, element of what all the films that are out there floating around. Now, obviously with the internet, things have really exploded. Right. Right. <laughs> right. But um, you're right. It's 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 most people don't understand the difficulty, and and it really ends up the the big issue now is the proper distribution. And what unfortunately many filmmakers fail to realize, they focus so much on the development, the creation of the product. But in our case, and why we have been and not blowing my own, tooting our our company and the way I've done it. We've raised enough capital to guarantee distribution. And so many people don't realize uh, a major feature film, the cost of it, say it's a $10 million film, it could it could cost $20 million on marketing and distributing that thing. And most people don't don't think of that. I know of that, yeah. but I don't quite understand <laughs> why. God. Yeah, I, the, I mean, I hear it all the time. Yeah, that when they when a film yeah, like I, a like I, a tentpole kind of film right. comes out, well, the thing costs one hundred and sixty million dollars to make, and then they'll say, "Well, it's three hundred million dollars before anyone will see a profit." And you go, "Well, how does that work?" <laughs> That's exactly yeah. right. Yeah, marketing, P and A, on and on and yeah. on. You go, "Wow, you got to make clear a billion dollars before someone." puts money in their pocket right but the that's the beauty we are most of our films are focused in the you know below seven million dollar we my wife and I are working on a producing a 40 million dollar animated film called uh, the ark in the aardvark uh, <laughs> okay <laughs> it's uh, about the story of noah's ark uh, from an animation told from the animal perspective oh that's so true. it's we're, we're making that with the director john stevenson from kung fu panda and uh, some, uh, you know, we've got uh, Miles Teller as a lead voice and uh, Aubrey Plaza and Craig Robinson and oh Jenny my. Slade as our voiceover character. So oh my. I we're excited it. this oh. year, hopefully, that it will be wrapped up and ready to go. Oh, that's fantastic. I love Aubrey, by the uh, way. I yeah. think she's just a, <laughs> I think she is one of those talents that is capable of anything almost in any scene i i always feel like there's there is a an element of danger in her performance exactly yeah you see great. you see ingrid goes west is her I, that's yeah. where i i have yeah. the director on for for ingrid goes oh west. excellent yeah. I, and yeah. and I, i've had her on for, she's been on a number of indie she's been in a lot oh, of indie films, indie films and she and she again um she is capable of a lot oh of she, she just has this kind of really kind of almost like oh where's she coming from of course we know from the you know, parks and rec and yeah. <laughs> that yeah. appearance and and Legions, Noah Hawley's uh, uh, series, but she just has almost a little bit, ooh, where is she going to come from? Kind of something really odd and different. <laughs> I even, I, I mean, even. I, I liked her in uh, Mike and Dave's Wedding Day. Oh, yeah. She was really funny. She was really funny. She's, She's a hilarious. very gifted performer. Well, and, and there's a lot of Jenny's, yeah, right? You mentioned Jenny a lot Slate of people. And Craig Robinson. Craig Robinson. Miles Tiller. Yeah. <laughs> he, no, that's a great, that's truly a, a yeah. really solid uh, cast of people. I, I'm yeah. familiar with 
almost all of the yeah. people, your, their work, their body <laughs> work anyway as well. Um, you know, you did mention the technology. Uh, by the way, we're speaking with Ivan uh, Williams. He's a producer um, and also entrepreneur. Just, you know, you've, you've, it sounds like you've worn a lot of hats in a very short period of time in the film industry. So, yeah. uh, But... Years ago, I had someone on, uh, a director who d- did a film called King Kelly. It was mm. really interesting. Mm. Then you mentioned the, 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 uh, the iPhones, right? Yeah. What he did, he, the film was shot entirely on iPhones. But what he did was really interesting, not just as a cinematographer documenting what the scenes were. He gave each one of his actors iPhones. Oh. So excellent. they were filming each other during the film. So he edited oh. it together as doing this kind of I always thought this was a great technique and I always mm-hmm. thought this would be something that if you had more of a budget you could really turn that into something pretty special wow that's very cool I thought that's it was a great I love I'm just that throwing that out there yeah, but yeah no, that's but, a, so you'd see a scene and you'd literally see exactly the point of view of each of the actors as they're filming each other oh and he had a couple of uh you know wide shots he did the he, you know he did the the the, yeah. the big cover shots yeah. but he did everything else was just them filming each other with their iPhones. Oh, very cool! And we know, looking for Sugar Man, that was all. That ended up being an iPhone shot. Yeah, Academy, <laughs> great film. Film <laughs> that was a really great film. Yeah, yeah. So, so there are a lot of interesting ways to approach this. I mean, you go back to uh, uh, a film called Tarnation uh, that was shot, not even shot. It was mm-hmm. just all assembled footage from home movies, turned into an amazing uh, documentary as well. So, so many ways to go about this. Be creative. And and really just kind of look for what works for you, it, given your resources, given your uh, what do you hope to accomplish, uh, upscale, downscale it in, uh, accordingly. You know, there's exactly. a lot of exactly. There's lot a of, lot of opportunities, and uh, and you mentioned that aspect uh, here. We're at KUCI here at UC Irvine, yeah. And I'm working very closely with our uh, school, uh, Claire Trevor School of the Arts, and their filmmaking, yeah. which is a, a digital filmmaking minor right now, but. Uh, we're we're looking at uh, taking it up a whole nother level in in the future. Well, we've got Chapman, yep. and we want to kick their butts if we're yep, going to get into this. No, I mean yep. that's great. That's a great they, program. Th- think They're, about what they've done in yeah. a very very short time. Of course, yeah. like I said, it's a large contributor and backer that can change the world, right? It really, but can. the right people got behind it, and yeah. I know we moved here in 1988, and yeah. I don't, it just wasn't even existing as any filmmaking yeah. program. Yeah. And now it's considered one of the top ten in the world. Didn't Spielberg get behind some of that? Uh, I, thought, I thought there was some. I'm not sure, but they have a like have a, a laundry list of who's who. Yeah. Uh, who well, got behind them? The, the, I know Stranger Things. They've got a guy from Stranger Things over there. Okay. Um, yeah. They, okay. <laughs> I, I, yeah, I thought big, there was uh, some. Yeah. Know, I, although with Spielberg it would have been USC where he yeah, would probably USC put his money. Or, but somebody, <laughs> you're right. I don't quite remember the the. There was a big name that sort of like everyone went what you know that Chapman Chapman. Like, where is that again? The, you know, small liberal arts <laughs> college here in Orange County yeah. just exploded onto the scene. Yeah, yeah. But it, but I think to beauty of a Chapman, it just shows you what you can do when you get a concerted effort yeah. to do something bold and big. And the former president there, Jim Dotty, was uh, a visionary. Yeah, and uh, yeah. and that's what we're I think we're seeing here at UC Irvine, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, some whole nother energy level uh, in- interest. And because at the same time you said, okay, here in 50 miles around here, we've got three of the world's best filmmaking schools. Why would you... You know, what is UC Irvine going <laughs> to... Yeah. offer into that but the demand is large but we we have the strength and capability here at this college is the sciences and the amazing creative talent wrapped around that so we're yeah. planning to do something very bold and 
very different. Not a Me Too program. <laughs> well, yeah, that that is. And this university, in the, the time that I've uh, been around here, and that's about 15 years, uh, has seen a tremendous uptick in financial backing from people from the tech industry and other areas of Orange County was obviously a wealthy area. And this was something waiting to happen. And it does feel like things, our school of medicine is a world-class. There's so many things now about the, the engineering uh, is amazing. It's a world-class school on so many different levels. So so it's good to see the arts. I know that the the music program here has been very good. They've had some excellent, instructors and people or who are mu- world-class musicians involved we we obviously have the uh, the theater here which i just left my yeah they're irvine barclay the irvine barclay yeah, thank you yeah. of course and there's just so many opportunities here and it's and it's good to see orange county mature right as it, as as an art as a as a as not a, just a, the bedroom community of la right right <laughs> it feels like the demographics of Orange County are changing. Exactly, There are so many things about it that, again, uh, we were a, a bedroom community. Uh, I think the the sort of the infrastructure came later to Orange County mm-hmm. on the scale that maybe L.A. or some other place. And we're now seeing just all of these kind of elements sort of mature into something pretty special. You, you, you hit it spot on. And I think, as you've seen here at the university, the leadership has totally changed uh, uh, the Chancellor Gilman uh, is just bringing an amazing thrust and and power to the voice of the arts. Yeah. And, you know, historically this university has been so very science-oriented, but the arts hadn't been, you know, kind of that the num- a key place at the table. Chancellor Gilman is, is just saying he believes it's fundamental to the creative energies for across all disciplines, yes. whether it be the biosciences, the neurosciences, School of Engineering. Right. It is the foundation of creativity. So we look at that, the Claire Trevor School of the Arts, now under an, an amazing uh, person, uh, Dean Stephen Barker, is just bringing an amazing amount of new energy and excitement to the possibilities uh, in front of That's us. Great. And That's he uh, drafted me to come on board as one of his community leaders to help him get to his vision. So That's wonderful. And... and uh, the, uh, the the school itself physically has just blown up in the in the last four or five years. They've Buildings. got this new building, beautiful new building. I haven't been in, in it yet, but wow. it looks like a pretty impressive, uh, or you know, setup. So it, it's yeah. There's there's a, a lot here, and that's so good to hear that the the vision of the leadership here at UCI is is, is committed to it. Uh, we have OSHA in 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 uh, in uh, Santa Ana, a terrific uh, liberal arts exactly. school where so many people come out of that school that don't necessarily pursue a, a career in singing or acting or but they come out as well-rounded people who are able to kind of incorporate that into all manner of disciplines. Exactly. And it, you're right. Sometimes we, we, we think particularly, oh, I'm, I, we train a, a number of people to go into Broadway. Yeah. A number of our, you know, acting drama students have gone into Broadway. Yeah. But frankly, some of our, our students have gone into public policy because right. they are such powerful communicators. There you go. Right? It's, yeah. it, it, think about it. And I know I think about my career. It's, it's okay, had the technical engineering. But yeah. later in life, it was really... The, the ability, the power to verbally and, and in a written way communicate in an influ- influential way. Absolutely. Well, 
I just lost track of all time. Well, we were just about <laughs> we need to wrap this up. And I really thank you so much, Ivan, for coming in. And uh, I look forward to your leadership, your involvement here at UCI, and your work well, as well as outside of it. And uh, we will continue this conversation. You've been listening to Film School Radio, the on-air online showcase for the best in independent documentary and foreign films. You can find out more about the program at filmschoolradio.com. I'm your host, Mike Kaspar. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you next week with another edition of Film School Radio.